My name is Sammy Klipsch, and I'm a student at Wesley Theological Seminary. A part of my journey in ministry is to learn about racism and white supremacy. I believe it is crucial to examine the legacy of racism in our churches so we can continue working towards the beloved community. This podcast, History Between Us, began during this journey. Two historic United Methodist churches in Georgetown, Dumbarton UMC and Mount Zion UMC, have graciously let me explore their history and how it influences the relationship between them today. Thanks for joining us as we journey through this shared story. Good afternoon. I am Mary Kay Toddy. I am the pastor of Dumbarton United Methodist Church, which is the oldest Methodist church in Georgetown in Washington, D.C. I have been pastor there for almost nine years, and it is a delight and privilege to serve this particular congregation and to be part of the Georgetown United Methodist Coalition with my colleague, Dr. Cogman. And as she said, I am John C. Cogman. I am the proud pastor of Mount Zion United Methodist Church, which is literally around the corner from Dumbarton. And I have been the pastor there for almost seven years. July of 2011 was when I began. I am the first African-American female pastor of this church, and um, it's now 201 years, so I'm very excited about that. What was coming in like? Was there an understanding of where the church is in the history of Georgetown in D.C., or did you come in not knowing and then the congregation shaped your understanding of what that was? Well, actually, I came in with um, a little knowledge because, you know, when you are appointed to a new congregation, it is very prevalent that you go and learn about the congregation that you're going to serve. And I found out that Mount Zion is very proud of its history and its heritage, and it is the oldest African-American church in all of Washington, D.C. We have a little joke that says we were a church before D.C. was D.C. Mm. So I had to learn that history, and then with that tagline, we added the oldest African-American church that does what, and that shaped where I was to take the church. So Dumbarton has always been rather proud of its history, being the oldest Methodist congregation in the capital. First founded in 1772 in a cooper shop as a class meeting. Also proud of the history of the building and the fact that Abraham Lincoln attended something there and they've even marked the pew to indicate where Lincoln sat. One of the first things that I was given, maybe even before I arrived at Dumbarton, was a copy of the published church history, Many Witnesses, which was done a number of years before I came, sometime, I think, in the 1990s. And they took that history project very seriously and has lots of good information in the book. So Dumbarton has always taken its history as something to be proud of and something to honor. Mm -hmm. And 
Mount Zion just celebrated a big anniversary. Right? We did. And the 200th anniversary? We did. And it was a big bash, right? It was. What was involved in that? <laughs> well, when you turn 200 years old, <laughs> you should be honored. We began an actual year-long um, celebration, or preparation for the celebration, which was October of uh, last year. And we started in 19, I mean, we started one year before, and we really decided that we wanted to honor the service that Mount Zion had given to the Georgetown community because it had gone through gentrification and a lot of the members that are still there are older mm-hmm. and they can remember when they were little there and they, they were thinking of their heyday and they really wanted the community of Georgetown to see the growth that Mount Zion has. So we had a wonderful breakfast um, banquet that uh, a lot of people came to, and then we had a service project every single month that the goal was to service 200 or to have 200 different events or, or people or opportunities for us to serve. You know, but the goal was 200. Everything we did was based around 200. Mm-hmm. And then we had a culminating, a culminating banquet, mm-hmm. and we also had a uh, worship service mm-hmm. in the morning and in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. We really loved that we marched from our mother church, which is Dumbarton. We began and we marched from there together as a people from Dumbarton to Mount Zion. We had worship there, and then we marched together as a people from the church to the historic cemetery, which was initially owned by Dumbarton, transferred over to Mount Zion. That was a long process, but we finally got it done, and that's something the two of us are claiming as a win. Exactly. That, that was it. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned those things because that's a huge connection between the two churches that we haven't really talked about yet. Well, you were mentioning the year-long celebrations Mm -hmm. for your 200th. I remember y'all starting that with an afternoon worship service where I was asked as the pastor of your mother church to come and bring greetings, say a word. And I just kept getting hung up on the idea that we were your mother church (laughs) because in 1816, the folks who founded Mount Zion broke off from Dumbarton because of racism, because mm-hmm. of discrimination, for because of not having an equal voice and equal say in the life of the church. It's true. And so I didn't feel like there was any way I could stand up there without offering an apology. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of told the folks at Dumbarton, okay, this is happening if you're there when I make this apology, if you are in agreement, stand up. And so I think we had thought you and I would do some kind of cute little <laughs> yeah. skit thing, and I arrived and I told you, John Z, I can't do that. <laughs> and so just offered the apology because it felt like the right thing to do. And I was very proud of the Dumbarton folks because they did stand and were clearly in solidarity with that. It, it was a surprise. I mean, even now when she says I get chill bumps, it was a pleasant surprise. And because I had no knowledge of it, I could not have prepared, and we're using Mother Church and prepared in quotations, I could not have prepared my congregation for it. So when it actually happened, I looked at the faces of those who were the second and third generations of those who came out of Dunbarton. 
and some of them still remember what their grandmothers had said and, and even when they were small, how they were treated, it was just phenomenal. I mean, tears rolled down their eyes, it rolled down our eyes, it rolled down Dumbarton's eyes. And I think that was a big turning point for Mount Zion because I must be honest that when I got there and speaking with them about our history coming from Dumbarton and the racism that we endured, um, it was very painful for them. And it was also, um, they still had a little anger, a little resentment, a little, you know, we're not going to go over there because this is what they did to us. And we had to work through that. We had to work through God's grace. We had to work through forgiveness, mm -hmm. that we will not forget our past. Mm -hmm. And I, I have a little saying that I said, use your past as a place of reference, mm -hmm. not a place of residence. Mm -hmm. So we had to leave that place of anger and that place of anxiety and that place of them versus us. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that was really a beginning for us. And one of the things when I made the apology, I just made the apology and did not ask any response from Mount Zion because I didn't think it was right to expect any particular kind of response. It was just our responsibility to acknowledge the racism and the pain and the harm and to apologize for it. Um, whether we were the ones who had actually been living in 1816, but if we are still the beneficiaries of the system that caused that. Um, and so I was, I was humbled and so touched. You talked about getting chills. I'm getting tears. Um, in response to the apology, one of the matriarchs Barbara, Barbara of your Rick church, Thompson. Barbara Ricks Thompson, whom I've known and admired for years um, on behalf of Mount Zion accepted the apology and, and thanked us for it. Now the work for it, you also mentioned the transfer of the deed in the cemetery. Was that already in the process at this point? And could you explain what that means? Because some of our listeners might not know. So when I arrived at Dumbarton, mm -hmm. Mike Beard said to me early on, Okay, one of the things we need to work on is getting the deed to the cemetery transferred to Mount Zion. I said, what? Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> and I got the same thing from Mr. Carter Bowman. Mm -hmm. So in discovering, there's a long history there. Um, and in unearthing the history, sometime in the 1800s, there was a Methodist cemetery that had become a cemetery only for African-Americans. Mm -hmm. And Dumbarton held the deed to it. And Dumbarton leased it to Mount Zion for 100 years for $1. Yeah. And in the 1970s, that lease expired. Mm -hmm. Dumbarton was going through a difficult time in the 1970s. And they had this grand idea, well, we own the deed to the cemetery, let's sell it to developers. Mike Beard was the lone voice for a long time in Dumbarton that said, we can't do that, we can't do that. That's a historic site, we can't do that. And he really took a lot of flack for a while about throwing up barriers to selling the land 
for a mighty fine sum of money to developers, but finally was convinced that no, it had historic value and we could not do that. And then I guess since the 1970s, they had been talking about, well, if this is a historic site, then we should really transfer the deed to Mount Zion and we shouldn't hold it. And, and same story I got from Mr. Carter Bowman. I think Carter and Mike probably worked hand in hand because Mr. Carter Bowman, who's deceased now, was the lone voice um, at Mount Zion that, you know, um, we should get this done. And when I got there, uh, I was given that same spiel and the same information, and we were trying to figure out, well, where is the deed? How do we get it? What happened between 1979 and now for the last? So it appears from my information was that we just took care of the cemetery. We provided the maintenance for the grounds, and you know the name was on it, and everybody knew it as Mount Zion Cemetery, and nobody really knew that the deed actually belonged to Dunbar. Mm. And so we actually started working with um, a foundation, which is the Female Union Band Society, mm. and realized that we wanted to get more funding, and we wanted to get more historic value out of it, and so people could actually come and see it, because it got vandalized. And um, we, we, Mount Zion did not have the resources to, to get it back up to par, mm -hmm. to be the wonderful place that it should honor the ancestors. Yeah. So once we started work with that, then we realized we as in Mount Zion can't do anything with anybody else until we actually hold the deed. Mm -hmm. So then that's when Dr. Todd and I got together and we started going to meetings and hearing what they said. And then finally we said, well, what does it take to get the deed? Mm -hmm. So that's. And I started pushing our trustees yes. to work on it, hoping to have been able to give you the deed at the start of the uh -huh. year-long celebration, or at least by the end of it. But finally, That's okay. January, February 2017, mm -hmm. we mm -hmm. were actually able to do it. That first Sunday in Lent when Bishop Fisher came to yes. preach, yes. and we yes. were able to do the symbolic transfer of the deed handed over to you. Which was very appropriate you. because February was Black History Month. Mm -hmm. yes. So, mm -hmm. you know, what other way to honor than to be able to receive the deed to a cemetery that initially housed African Americans from Civil War? Yes. Yeah. And I had heard that the cemetery might have even been a stop on the Underground Railroad. Exactly. I have gotten that same information, and that it's part of our history. And if you actually look at the Underground Railroad uh, booklet, they actually have that. So inside of the actual cemetery is the bunker. Mm. Yes. So you can actually go in the bunker and, and see where it's actually called a burial vault. But from what I was told, the history is that the burial vault, when um, they were bringing the slaves through, that even though they may have had bodies in there, it was a cool place. Mm -hmm. And it was a place that the dolls could not get their scent because it was near the water. Mm -hmm. So they were hiding there, mm -hmm. you know, amongst the dead bodies until it was time to move. And they would move and go along the, the stream so that they could not be caught. I think the length of time and the struggle to get the deed transferred is kind of metaphorical for the struggle with trying to overcome racism, systemic racism in and of itself. Mm -hmm. But just like we can't give up now, we didn't give up then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. And every little victory is a great one. Yeah. And we celebrate them when they come. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, so. I know Mount Zion and Dumbarton do a lot of uh, 
joint things. How did that start? Shall I start? <laughs> Go for it. Well, I met uh, Dr. Tardy when I was the pastor of Zion Wesley United Methodist Church, and she was at Providence, Fort Washington. And we were in a 210 corridor together for the Lenten season for the Ash Wednesday. Or I forgot exactly. Weekly, weekly Lenten services. Lenten. So I would see her, she would see me, and I was brand new to the conference. I, I you know, was still wet behind the ears. And so she became my friend. So when I found out I was coming over here, then one of the first things she did was introduce me to the Georgetown Clergy Association and say, okay, so what we'll do is, when we have these meetings, you and I will meet the week before, the hour before, and we'll, you know, talk and, and go over some things. So out of that sprang, oh, well, let's come together and figure out how we can get our two churches to do some things. So we meet intentionally um, at the beginning of the year, and we schedule out four times that twice Dumbarton would come to us, and then twice Mount Zion would go there. So we're very intentional about that. Yeah, and we... At least two of those are Sunday mornings. Oh, definitely so. Sunday yes, morning yes. worship, we, mm-hmm. one church is dark and we all gather at the other mm-hmm. church and we have shared worship together. Mm-hmm. And from what we hear, that's kind of unusual, but it I is. think both our congregations have come to value it. They do. I know Mom Zion does. They, they really look forward to um, the time that you guys come over and we look forward to going over there. Was it always that way? Because I know you said coming in that there was still feelings that needed to be dealt with. with well, I, I, I don't think so. I, don't, I can't speak on behalf of my predecessor, but I do know when I got there, like I said, the, the feelings of uneasiness, the feelings of you're forcing us to go. We really don't want to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, okay, I know you don't want to go, but you need to go. Mm-hmm. This is something we need to do. And I guess because I was brand new, they're like, okay, we've got a pastor. This kind of, you know, let's just go and pacify her. But we went, and it was wonderful because Dr. Todd and I know how to sit down and play and worship together. That represents both of our um, spiritual experiences, um, hymns and, and, and gospel songs, and our musicians came together and played. And we actually had a joint choir one time. It was wonderful. And we are intentional when we do the worship that we include both members Mm-hmm. Um, Mount Zion and Dunbarton so uh, that didn't look like it was one sided and I think that when we come over it's wonderful and when you guys come over it's just like it's it's like we can't wait for you guys to get there so we you know, we're going to put on the dog as my grandma used to say <laughs> well yeah. um, one of the things we've done in recent years we've added a couple of things mm-hmm. is trying to have a fellowship time after worship Yes, and each of us telling our congregations the week before. Now, when you go to fellowship, talk with folks That's from right. the Don't other. Don't sit with the people that you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and, we go ahead. And another thing that I think has made a difference along the way is working together six times a year to mm-hmm. feed the homeless. Mm-hmm. So early on, when Dr. Cogman was here, the Georgetown clergy became aware that there was no hot meal for our unhoused neighbors on Saturday nights. And I think it was someone from Holy Trinity (laughs) Catholic Church thought we needed to be doing that every week, but needed a place to do it. And Dr. Cogman convinced Mount Zion that they needed to open their church up every single Saturday night for a church to come in with a meal for our unhoused neighbors. Mm -hmm. That goes back to what I was telling you earlier, the tagline, 
the oldest African-American church in Washington, D.C. that does what? Mm -hmm. And that was part of our coming together, figuring out we need to figure out what are we going to be, to, what are we going to be known for? And um, Dr. Todd is right. When I sat around the table and she was there, and there was a need, but there was not a space. And I knew that our church was not being used. Mm -hmm. And why should it only be open on to Sunday? Yeah. So it was one of those moments where the pastor had to go back and ask for forgiveness and not permission. <laughs> So once we did bring it to the church and, you know, I showed them this is part of where you said you wanted to go, what you need to do, what the resources would be and what minimal um, cost would be to the church, but what maximum impact it would be for the community, they said, okay, we wanted to do it for three weeks just to try it out in November and now we're going on year four. Yeah. Well, and with the Saturday night suppers, various churches in Georgetown take a different Saturday of the month. Mm -hmm. And Methodist churches do the third Saturday of the yes, month. Six of those Mount Zion does, and then the other six, Dumbarton and Mount Zion together, do those meals. And mm -hmm. I think working together on those meals over these years has helped both congregations to get to know one another mm -hmm. and to begin to be able to remember names and appreciate yes. Yes. personalities. Yes. Yeah, it's 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 uh, to watch them work together is wonderful because it's not in worship where we're sitting down and feel like well we gotta know each other and we gotta play nice in the sandbox. It's give me some eggs. No, we're short of eggs. No, we gotta have the bacon. No, we need to. And everybody's working together and because we have name tags on. People get to know names and then to watch people wash dishes together and to make coffee together. What she says is exactly right. I think in a non-structured environment, uh, we, we get to do more. Yeah. So that, that's a lot of fun. Join us next time on History Between Us, where we talk about Dumbarton's shift towards social justice, what it was like to be the first African-American female pastor at Mount Zion, and more. Thank you to the Reverend Dr. Cogman and the Reverend Dr. Tati for their time and wisdom. Music for this podcast was provided by hooksounds.com. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you join us again. Mm -hmm.